Hey guys, welcome to FinTech Brews. I'm Nikki Rohde, and today we are moving into another episode that's been one of my favorite seasons, and that is Women in FinTech. Uh, we have a special guest today, Elizabeth Davis, who is the principal from uh, Anthemis and uh, Elizabeth, founder of Females Innovation Labs. Is that true? Um, I was one of the earliest employees at Female Innovators Lab Fund. Okay. Yes. Well, let's let's jump right into that. Thank you so much for coming um, on today's today's episode. Will you take us into kind of a little bit about your background? Just introduce yourself to the audience. Absolutely. And Nikki, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, so Elizabeth Davis, as Nikki said, I'm a principal on our Female Innovators Lab Fund team at Anthemis and have been at Anthemis for a little over three years. So started in the very early stages of the pandemic in April of 2020. So I think I was one of the first people maybe in the world to get hired virtually. My first uh, interview at Anthemis was March 12th. Uh, so really, oh. every, as everything just shut down in New York, everything was on Zoom. Um, but since then, have absolutely loved getting to invest in female founders in fintech in the pre-seed and seed stages. And I'm happy to go through like background, sort of what led me there. Um, but we have now we just launched a $50 million fund. So we're the largest female-focused fintech fund. Say that five times fast. And then we get to invest in the U.S., Europe, UK and Canada. Oh, that's incredible. Congratulations on the another big fund. Thank um, you. I think your background is super interesting. So maybe spend a little time there, okay. uh, help, help folks get to know kind of your journey and what led you to Anthemis. Yeah, absolutely. So I started my career in sustainability at Coca-Cola. So I think a lot of people are like, how did you go from sustainability to fintech venture investing, <laughs> which was a very interesting path in general. At the time when I was graduating college, I wanted to make change at a global level for, uh, for sustainability initiatives. And I felt the way that I could do that was working at a place like a Coca-Cola. And so had the opportunity to be in Atlanta, worked on our global team. So that meant that I was working on our women's empowerment initiatives at Coca-Cola, uh, spending time on our water stewardship. And it was in India, China, Turkey, really around the world as a 23 year old. So I was jealous, like still such a kid, you know? Uh, <laughs> um, was there a little imposter syndrome oh in there? God. Like, is this real? Yes, what am I doing? For sure. Yeah. I mean, it was so crazy mm -hmm. to Nikki because I was the youngest person on my team by 15 years. Uh, wow. And so a lot of my coworkers even had kids my age. And so it was almost like, how do you relate to these people in such a different phase of life and take That's them seriously right. as a colleague, but also understanding that they had so much more experience than I did. So um, it was such a, a, such a great experience. I worked in our chief sustainability officer's office. And I think that honestly was first opening my eyes to working with women entrepreneurs in a totally different way, like women artisans in India. And I got approached by this woman, Carol Cohn, who is known as the mother of cause marketing, coined the term in, I think, the 70s or 80s. And she reached out to me and she said, Elizabeth, I'm looking to start this purpose consulting firm. Would love to talk to you about starting it with me. And I was 25 at the time. I'd always thought about starting my own business. And this woman, sort of this icon in the industry is like, hey, I want you to start with me. I was sort of like, okay, this will be amazing. What could go wrong? 
you know? Um, There were so many learnings, which I think now applies so much to working with founders of the highs and lows of starting a company. We worked primarily with Aflac and Staples and LG on creating their purpose and impact strategies and programs, which was amazing. Um, But Carol was in her mid sixties. We had another partner and founder in his mid fifties and I was in my mid twenties. So very different just ways that we looked at the world, which I think made us a really strong team, but also was really challenging at different times. And so Mm -hmm. while I was there, I ended up getting recruited to join an ad agency where we worked primarily with female founders on everything from branding to campaign design to websites and all these different things from the branding and creative agency side. And that's really where I realized that there was such a disconnect where a lot of women that we worked with struggled to get VC funding. And so I sort of took a step back and I had always thought I'd go back to business school. So I went back to business school and I thought, you know, I really want to drive capital to women founders. And so then really focused on that when I was at, I went to the tech school at Dartmouth and realized, I think initially I was like, do I want to be a founder again? Do I want to be a capital allocator from the LP perspective? Do I want to be a capital allocator in an actual investor VC seat? And so realized that I wanted to be, and I had all these checklists. My husband now, we were engaged at the time last week because I had this very specific criteria where I said, I wanted to be at a really like a bigger firm uh, where I would be driving capital just to female founders, that I would be based in New York, but I'd get to invest globally. And I wanted to invest at the earliest stage. And my husband who also works in VC was like, this does not exist. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're creating this unicorn of a situation exactly. that, yeah. literally mm. unicorn of a situation and then when I saw he was actually the one who found the job posting so I give him a lot of credit for finding it and he said you know I actually think this is what you like put out in the universe and and I got so fortunate where of just the timing and how it all worked out but it was really the the right fit now I mean three years in and I've loved loved it ever since that's incredible. Uh, well, congratulations for sure. Because the what what's curious to me is, I'm wondering when did that spark happen for you when you're dabbling through all this different stuff and you always knew that you know kind of women empowerment and funding and VC was kind of where you wanted to be. But when did that spark happen throughout the sustainability at Coca Cola mm. and and traveling and such? Such a great question. So funny because I think a lot of people are like fintech. How did that spark happen with fintech too? And I grew up in a household where both my parents were started a company in financial services, so they were financial advisors. And ever when I was a kid, I was like, I'm not going to work in financial services. This isn't what I want to do. And now, I mean, sort of flash forward of what I'm doing now of almost disrupting the work that they're doing is I'm looking for ways and investing in companies that could either work with them as their target customer or create solutions that you don't need as high touch a financial advisor as you maybe used to have, which is what exactly my parents do. Does that make Thanksgiving a little awkward. <laughs> I know, exactly. I'm like trying to invest, but it's so funny. It's actually so nice because so often I'll be asking them of would they use one of these services? Would they pay for this? Um, and granted, they have a pretty small asset management firm, so it's 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 comparatively a smaller client base. But was it's always helpful to sort of use them even as like a side diligence. But um, but I definitely think for me in terms of the VC perspective was more when I was working at the ad agency. 
Mm-hmm. And the, I had never, when I was growing up, I had never had this focus on women's empowerment or any sort of interest in driving capital to women in that way. But I think it started a little bit to your point, Nikki, when I was at Coke of seeing this opportunity where women were really underfunded in so many different ways. And then when I was working at this ad agency and just saw such a disconnect within the ecosystem and how so many of the founders that I then became really close with just struggled to get funding. And I took a step back and I was like, what is the issue here? Is it that we don't have enough women VCs in the ecosystem? Is it that there aren't funds? Or is it just something where these businesses are interesting from a venture scalable perspective? And so now I feel like if I went back to that advertising seat, I'd have so much more learnings of what I wish I could have mm-hmm. told founders then. Um, but I'm still in touch with some of them. And it's fun because one of my good friends now, who was my client then, is raising. And so now I'm on the other side where I'm like combing through her pitch deck, making investor introductions, doing all the things that I think I wish I could have done for more of those founders back then. Absolutely. A question you said when you were thinking back through this, it was, what is the issue? What did you, what did you find? Was there an aha in that? Is there not enough women in VC? Is there not enough um, confidence of female founders to go drive capital? Or what, what did you find as one of the primary issues? So I think that there's a couple of different issues. I think one is that there's definitely not enough women in VC. So on average, I think there's about 12 to 14% of VC partners are women. And so from just a percentage basis, having women check writers at the table that are making decisions to write uh, and invest in women founders. So I think that's one of the issues. I think historically too, the a lot of people talk about pipeline and how there's not enough women starting companies, especially within fintech, which is completely untrue. <laughs> over the past three years that I've been at Anthemis, we've spoken and looked at over 1,500 businesses that are started by women in fintech. And so wow. that notion of there not being this, um, there not being enough women to start companies is just completely wrong. Um, that being said, where I think about networks is a really important thing. And one of the things that we've talked a lot about at the Female Innovators Lab Fund is planting a lot of different seeds so that we come up when female founders in fintech are starting to raise capital that they say, oh, I know that this fund is focused specifically in this area. They might be good to talk to. And even for me, an interesting moment when, so my husband, I mentioned, also works in VC. And when I first started Anthemus, I was sending him all these different founders, all these different female founders. And he got to the point where then he started having some, you know, he would talk to all different types of companies in fintech. And he's had a couple of moments where he said, oh, it's so strange. I had a couple of meetings with these founders and they didn't have any women in their leadership team. But that he had that aha moment to say, okay, this is weird. Why aren't there any women that are in the, that are co-founders, C-suite, et cetera. But I think it was just the ability to meet so many different women that I was sending him. So it was just this opportunity to how do you build bridges across populations that maybe didn't see Mm -hmm. as many women. So I think that's also just a network issue too in general. And how do you bring more men and women to the table? It's something this year that we've been really focused on of having more events with male and women VCs and male and women founders so that it's not just women talking to women and men talking to men. Yep. Yep. That makes a ton of sense. The, that kind of takes me into the Female Innovators Lab. I think you hit on why you kind of helped start that um, or, or create it, but maybe if there's anything else you want to add into that context, but then also why is it important in today's space mm-hmm. uh, here in 2023? Um, go into that a little bit if you of could. Of course. So Anthemis just high level was launched about a little over 10 years ago with really this idea of 
cultivating change in financial services. And our two co-founders, Amy Noyakas and Sean Park, were very prescient. But I think at the time, a lot of people were thinking embedded finance, fintech, sort of what is this area? And since then, as a broader fund, we've invested in over 200 portfolio companies. We have $1.5 billion from an AUM perspective. So it's been really exciting to see this broader trajectory of what Anthemis has done in general. And then in 2019, there was this idea of how could we start a fund that's specifically dedicated to investing in female founders in fintech? Because you saw two issues. You saw a lot of women that were leaving some of the big banks and institutions, maybe because they wanted to have kids or the hours were too tough or they wanted more flexibility or whatever it is. And then also to like the point earlier, a lot, a lot of capital going to female founders. So could we create a fund that was dedicated specifically on that? And so what's been exciting is initially we, the, the premise was to go to all the big banks. So Barclays, Bank of America, uh, JP Morgan, and say, hey, will you put $5 million into this fund? And we wanted to launch it as a $15 million fund to sort of start seeing, is there and are there a lot of women in fintech and whatnot? Barclays was really excited about it. So they took the entire allocation. They said, we want to do the full 15, which like also wow. made our lives easier. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, US focused fund. But what's been amazing over the past three plus years, we made our first investment in 2020. And since then, we have grown from a $15 million to a $50 million fund with multiple LPs, including Aviva, which is the biggest insurer in the UK, Bank of Montreal, and Visa. So we have this really great contingent of LPs now that we can then tap in with our founders, but then is also helpful for um, as we think about growing the fund later on as well. And so it's, it's been pretty exciting as we think about just like largest payment processor, biggest insurer, one of the best banks, all of these different things. So we have a pretty exciting LP base. That's really incredible. And it, it making your first investment in 2020 of all times. It's like, <laughs> come on, come on. But isn't it something like I think that so Falls Fintech launched in March of 2020. Oh my God. And same thing. And we had, oh girl, we had we had just busted our hump for like six months straight because we had just such a compact amount of time to get this off the ground. And one of our first, um, you know, we're located here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And that was a a consideration is, gosh, is anybody going to actually come to Sioux Falls, South Dakota for 12 (laughs) weeks? And believe it or not, uh, one of our, the first cohort had somebody from Kenya and somebody from, oh gosh, we were Salt Lake City and Dallas and Washington DC and then Manhattan. So speaking of New York, the Manhattan guy calls in April and says, hey, there's this thing, COVID, um, that's happening. Um, and I'm like, nah, the U- uh, it's Midwest here, South Dakota, we're pretty insulated from some of that stuff. And he's like, oh, okay, so so still come then? I'm like, yeah, yeah, totally, still come. So he gets here, and about four days later, we had to send everybody back home. And it was one of the most impactful no. and tragic moments um, in my career, because I was like, no, no, why? <laughs> but what I've learned through all of that is, boy, founders have so much tenacity and grit. It is incredible. And I think that's in my mind where I went from a quote banker to a entrepreneurial loving person that just admires so much about the hustle and the, the, yeah, I guess tenacity is just the best word to describe how much people will move mountains to see their, their vision come true. 
So funny you, you say that. My husband and I were just saying this actually the other night as we think about what is one of the best and most important attributes for founders is tenacity. So oh, I think it's such a great word. So true. Yeah. Here at Central Payments, one of our values is grit. And then we always put a little yes. bit of like fun tagline that goes along with it. And it's grit, a crazy kind of tenacity. <laughs> and so even here at Central I Payments, we have a value that's all about yeah. that. Like you got to so roll good. up your sleeves and figure it out. So yeah. um, so I love what you're doing. And I, I want to ask you and kind of from today's seat and your perspective, what does the future look like for female founders uh, maybe specifically in fintech. Yeah, absolutely. So there are, it's interesting because you look at the statistics of VC funding going to sole female founders and they've remained around a sort of similar amount of 2%, which I think to some people is very disheartening and obviously it's not amazing. <laughs> 2% is not the best statistic we're looking for. Mm -hmm. um, that being said, where I do find more inspiration and hope in general is that there are more funds, even like ours, that are having that focus on driving more capital to women specifically. And we're also seeing too, it's almost like that old quote, you need to see it to believe it. We're starting to see more women run big companies, more Fortune 500 women, which is really important as you think of almost like public market filtering down to the private markets. So I think that's just something that's really important to see. More board seats, especially different banks that are prioritizing more women on boards. Um, but what I think especially is exciting for fintech is that there, I mean, even for us to see is there's so much more focus, even over the past couple of years and more women that we're meeting within the fintech ecosystem and that are starting companies. And so I really think the future is really exciting. What I would love to even see more too is having funds that are at every single stage driving capital with a focus on female founders and specifically in fintech, just because that's where my heart is. Uh, but we see a lot of those early stage funds, maybe more generalist funds that are focused on female founders in fintech and, or excuse me, female founders broadly, and really amazing funds like Female Founders Fund and BBG in New York. Um, but how do we also make sure that we have some of these growth funds that are also focused on women founders? Because it's sort of something where we're seeing, okay, they can get funded the pre-seed and seed, but then the series A or even series B can be really difficult. Mm -hmm. And so how are you then helping founders at that stage then raise their subsequent rounds? So, so Elizabeth, you talked a little bit about building bridges a bit ago. Can you explain kind of how you're thinking about that aspect as far as you guys are pre-seed and seed? What, what comes later? How do you help build those bridges for female founders? So we're pretty strategic in terms of relationship building. So we think a lot about what are funds that maybe are a little bit later than us that we could introduce our founders to. So building relationships with seed, series A, even series B funds. And also other funds that maybe have a similar focus that we could share deal flow with, but also then co-invest with. There's a company right now that we're looking at that was sent by another investor that has a similar thesis as us, and they were looking for a co-lead in the round. And so we think a lot about how do we be really purposeful and strategic in nurturing those relationships. One of the things which has been really incredible is when I first started in venture at Anthemis, I was at another fund for a little bit before, which I didn't even mention, but um, when I started at Anthemis, there was this group of women and we were all focused on female founders, underrepresented more founders more broadly. So we were at Serena Ventures, Female Founders Fund, Harlem Capital, Gingerbread, and then the Anthos Female Innovators Lab Fund. 
And because we were sort of similar stages of life, post MBA, it was so nice to have this group of women that you would share companies with and that you would have a sense of what does comp look like across companies and even like, should I be getting Carrie as an associate or a principal or whatever this looks like? So that has been such an invaluable group of women to be with. I was going to say, I bet that was refreshing oh. for you too, considering yeah. you were the the young person amongst all your colleagues and the other gigs and kind of fresh out of undergrad school and yes. uh, where do I fit in here? And so then to <laughs> kind of have that community was probably really exciting Amazing. too. Totally. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, advice for female founders. Mm. What, what do you say for any female founders listening, either be it the imposter syndrome, be it the you know, I've got tenacity and grit like crazy town, but I don't know if I can or will I ever, or the stats are stacked against me. Mm-hmm. What, what do you share with those women? I would say a couple of things. If you're looking to raise venture funding specifically, I think first to take a step back to say, is this a venture scalable business? So when you think about exit scenarios for what your business could become, do you want to be a public company? Do you want to have a major acquisition? Do you want to reach a $100 million plus type company? If the answer is no, and you want your company to throw off, you know, a couple million dollars a year, that's equally as incredible in a totally different way, but you shouldn't raise venture funding because you're going to be completely diluted. And so I think, and then also you don't have pressure from founder or from investors to then constantly raise your next round of funding and to grow and scale and everything. So I would say first, trying to understand what is the goal for what you want your business to become. If it is something where you say, you know, I want to be this big business, I want to build a hundred million dollar business. And so then thinking through, especially at the earliest stages, who you want your investors to be. And we always ask this question of founders of what are you looking for in an investor? Because hypothetically, you'll be in this relationship with an investor for the next 10 years, hopefully, if everything is going well. Granted, they might not be as hands-on as they were in the earliest stages, but they'll be with you throughout your journey. And so being pretty purposeful as much as you can, I know the market right now is a little bit challenging, but with who you're targeting, who you want on your cap table. And there are small even things that I wish that I would have known when I was working at the ad agency to tell founders that I now tell them of some like very specific, easy things to think about before reaching out to VCs. One is making sure that there are no competitors that would be competitive to you as a company. It's sort of the easiest way for them to say no and also to waste your time. And you don't necessarily need them also to have your deck. Uh, The second one is to see any, if there's any sort of warm connection with these VCs. So if it's something from college or a friend from home or whatever, to get some warm intros is always nice. And also what I try to do for our founders is getting like a, I think a quick no is just as good as a longer yes. Because Mm -hmm. if I'm telling founders, this fund isn't interested because they have XYZ portfolio that's a competitor, or they actually aren't interested in B2B SaaS, or they are really excited about ESG or whatever it is. Um, But I think that can be really helpful. And then the other piece of advice too, is that you're going to get so many no's for the one yes. I feel like a lot of VCs say it's like a hundred no's for one yes. And it's something where as exhausting as it is, don't give up and have that tenacity, mm. Nikki, and that you were talking about and the grit is so incredibly important because getting so many no's is so hard and it's so frustrating and it's sort of like that imposter syndrome creeps in, but all you need is one yes at the end of the day That's is right. an investor to believe in what you're doing. 
Um, and that actually goes into one last piece of time. All the last piece of advice. All of them. Is, Bring them. Um, the importance of like storytelling, telling your story as a founder. Why are you the best founder to start this business? So when I'm investing at the pre-seed, especially, and even the seed, is it's very much of why is this the best founder to start this business? What is their background that's unique that then they'll be able to win against any other competitors in the market and telling that narrative in a way where mm. they're just blown away by your background and how it ladders up and whatnot. So I think the art of storytelling is incredibly important for pitching investors, which I don't think a lot of people often think about. Yeah, that's a really good point because I think we focus a lot on pitch decks and making that super pretty and hitting yes. the main points and the stats and all that. But my experience is not nearly as vast as yours. Mm -hmm. But when I do spend time with founders, it's like, captivate me, yes. talk to me. Totally. Break down all the barriers and the, like what you should do and just mm -hmm. tell me why you, where does the passion come from? Yes. And how are you going to break through all the, the no's um, and continue to have that kind of really rejection over and over and over again and not get worn, worn too thin. Yes. So I think that's absolutely incredible advice. Um, this is maybe completely off the cuff. And I just want to ask being as experienced as you are, but as young as you are, I feel like your future is incredibly bright and what you're doing for this industry is, is awesome. If you could put it into words, what kind of legacy would you like to leave um, in your space mm -hmm. um, and, and the difference that you're making? Mm. I love off the cuff questions. Mm. My dad had this quote that he'd always say to find your passion and do it in the service of others. And I think a lot about that for every job that I had and finding a lot of meaning and purpose within each job. When I think about legacy, especially for fintech and for female founders specifically, I would love to get to a place and who knows how long this will be on the early stage, the growth stage, that women aren't referred to as female founders, that they're just founders. Mm -hmm. And something where the reason I got into venture was to drive capital to female founders and to underrepresented founders even more broadly. But it was something where I also often just referred to our founders as founders. And so that would be, I hope that I'm a small movement towards that and helping to make there a, a much more equitable ecosystem where they're just, you know, incredible founders as opposed to people. female founders. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that so much. I think that's incredibly aspirational and think, I think you'll do it. <laughs> um, last question, and then I'll let you go. And that is, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, they hear this and they yeah. go, man, I really want to talk to Elizabeth, or I really think that I could fit in this um, female innovator lab fund. How do they reach you? Yeah. Uh, so my email is elizabeth at anthemist.com. Very easy. So easy. if you have a company you're excited about building, would love to talk to you, especially the pre-seed and seed. Uh, and then also I'm on Twitter at el davis eight so i post i feel like they're a little bit sporadically i need to get better but for just anything that i'm thinking about or focused on i try to post there yeah sounds good and and likewise i know we're connected so if anybody reaches out to falls fintech they can can reach me and i can always make the introduction as well so 
Um, this has been incredible. Thank you for your wisdom and kind of your art of storytelling of where you've been, where you're at, and what you're hoping to do in the future. Um, I really, really appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thank you, Nikki, so much for having me. And I uh, can't wait to be a part of the broader ecosystem. Yeah. Thank you. Take care. We'll talk soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Nikki. Bye.